Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of Renewed Talk. Welcome to Renew Talk. You know, it's our fifth episode, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening, and I hope you enjoy this new episode with a new topic. It's a new month, and soon it'll be a new year. Time is flying by. So if you don't know, then you know Renew Talk is growing, it's moving, and I have two lovely young people who will be a part of our discussion on today. But before we go anywhere, before we try to move on too far, I want to listen to some good music. So I want y'all to take a moment, relax, just know our topic tonight is 20-something in 2015, and if you want to know more about it, stay right here on the line. I'm going to play some new music from Zebulon Ellis. His song is called Glad, and um, he has a new EP out. So if you have not heard of it, if you're wondering where it's at, uh, I'm going to help you get aware of it <laughs> on tonight, y'all. So, Zebulon Ellis coming with Glad. Stay right here. Every new talk with Elaine Janelle. Turn our captivity in the face of adversity. Lord, you fill our hearts with laughter to want to see that it's you who make me glad. No more worrying, no frustration, cause it's you who make me glad. I'm getting over what I've been under, cause it's you who make me glad. Say, Lord. Oh, Lord. Uh-huh. He wanna see you make me glad. Oh, no worry, no frustration. Cause it's you who make me glad. I'm getting over what I've been under. Oh, no more. 
weapon that's formed shall prosper against me. No, Lord, only you have such belief. It's in you that I to believe that we are able to conquer whatever we face under the No and be glad but this is the day of declaration forgetting those things which are behind we're moving forward today There is joy, there's a lesson Stop looking for the blessing anywhere else Cause you have made me glad Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord You have made me glad Well, I hope y'all enjoyed Glad by Zebulon Ellis. 
That song was penned by LFT's own S.D. Bullock. And I'm glad to be back on another month's episode of Renew Talk, as y'all know. Like I said, it's our fifth episode. And before I get started with the business and the topic of, of tonight and on tonight, I want to uh, give a shout out to Latoya Lumpkins from Atlanta, Georgia. She's one of our listeners. And the reason I'm giving you a shout out is because she has been giving me ideas for new topics. And I hope to feature those new topics in 2016. So, Latoya, thank you for giving us your opinion, letting us know how you feel. And thanks for listening. We do appreciate it here at Renewed Talk. Also, I want to spend some time talking about our brand for November. Our brand is Music Makes Me Happy. And this brand was started by Joshua Dingle, who was originally from right here in Philadelphia, PA. And he launched out with his own company uh, some years back. And it's a company that features... Uh, different artists and it allows different people to network who love music and who want to see music grow and get better and better. So what he does, he has a artist showcase and he has networking events. He's had a networking event and artist showcase in Philadelphia, Atlanta, LA. Um, actually the brand, uh, the brand showcase artist, artist showcase event. Mm -hmm. will be going on next month. December the 18th, 2015, right in Atlanta at the Music Room on uh, that Friday night. So if you know anything about Music Makes Me Happy, anything that they do is very positive, it's very fun, it's very free. So I encourage you, if you're in Atlanta, Georgia, that Tennessee area, check them out. Go visit for a little while, and I'm sure you will enjoy yourself. And they have featured artists like Music, Fly Music, Glow. JJ Day and Ashley Sorrell. So if you like what you hear, check them out. And also, if you want to learn more about Music Makes Me Happy, go to their website. Their website is musichappiness.com. And they do a lot of uh, community aspect works as well. They're preparing to do a school tour. And I really want to encourage people to donate, if you can, to their effort. The effort is because many schools have stopped putting music in their schools. And I, being a person who grew up playing instruments in elementary school, I'm a big supporter and a big encourager of helping children learn how to learn music, read music, play music at an early age. Sometimes children aren't the greatest intellectually or they're not the greatest at taking tests or, you know, doing schoolwork. But if you put them in a dance room or if you give them some music to listen to, they fly, they soar. So... Here at Renew Talk, we encourage that. And so go to the website, learn more about the brand, learn more about Joshua Dingle, Dingle and the efforts he's putting on, and then donate if you can, all right? Push positivity in our communities because we definitely, definitely need it. All right, now on to our topic for tonight, 20-something in 2015. Yes, it's still 2015, even though 2016 is coming so close and so near to us. Uh, and our topic are tonight is definitely talking about those people who are 20-something years old. That's why it's called 20-something. All those people between the ages of 20 through 29. So I want to give you the theme scripture tonight. And our theme scripture is coming from Timothy 4.12. And it simply says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And the reason I chose this scripture is because a lot of times young people think they don't have an impact or they don't think that they're, um, they're being saved can be done. But if you're a young person 
and you want to follow the ways of Christ. The Bible says in order to follow the ways of Christ, you must be obedient to the word of God, even as a young person. Okay, the Bible talks about that. So I wanted to encourage every young person who is listening, and even if you're an older person, but you have children or grandchildren, just encourage them to know that they can be saved, they can be pure, they can um, be examples of being believers in Christ, and all they have to do is keep studying the Word. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have any problems in life. It doesn't mean that you're going to not mess up. You're going to mess up. It's life. But you can still follow Christ, and you can still be a believer of Christ even at a young age. Just stay in His Word, all right, y'all? So our topic on tonight deals with the fact that a lot of young people at an early age, around that age of about 17, 18, decide they no longer want to attend church if they grew up in church. So research has shown that at the age of 17 through 22, many children who have grown up in church decide to no longer attend. While many are leaving the church during this time of their lives, there are others engaging in the opposite objective. There is a remnant of young adults who are making commitments to help build up the kingdom of God at large. Some may change their church attendance to a different location, but more and more young people are becoming committed to the idea of serving God with a sincere heart at a young age. So even though it's not a popular topic, just know that there's still young people who love God. I was reading Christian today from a 2014 issue, uh, and they were telling us that a lot of young people have left the church because they feel the church is irrelevant to what is taking place in today's time. Some people have found that they not only attend church because of somebody else's faith. They don't attend church because they want to. They attend church because, you know, somebody around them is bringing them to church, whether it's a family member or just a good friend. And so a lot of times they're not committed to God or committed to any church for that matter because it's not what's really in them per se yet, all right? So I just wanted to encourage us and let us know, let our communities know that there are so many young people who have decided to be committed to God and to stay committed to God and the remnant. We have been heavily influenced by people while we were growing up. Meaning that the people who have decided to stay in the church after they grew up in the church, a lot of times it's usually because they had experience with God while they were young or because somebody in the church influenced them at a very young age and they decided they want to stay committed to coming to church or stay committed to to having a relationship with God. And so the reason for this topic is tonight, 20-something in 2015, is to encourage everyone out there to know that if you are young, if you're 15, 20, 25, 28 years old, you have the authority to impact your area. You have the authority to impact the people around you at your church and not at your church. You have the authority to impact the people you work with, the people in your community. And it doesn't mean that we're throwing Jesus down people's throats. The time is out for that. But it just means that we share our experiences. That means when we know that somebody's struggling with some things, we can open up and be transparent and share the things that we have gone through in our own personal lives that we know can help and affect them and help them get over and get through whatever problems they're going through to help them know that God can help them and God will show them what to do and help them make their lives a little bit easier. It doesn't mean that problems won't come, like I said before, but it just makes, God makes everything just so much easier. And so if you're 20 something, if you're 18, you're 12, you're 13, you're listening, just be encouraged that you have authority inside of you. And if you have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you, that means that you have the power to change your atmosphere. Okay. You have the power to change your communities, even if it's just influencing one person at a time, at a time. All right. So we're going to ask some questions to some two 
awesome people, Mr. Roosevelt Smith and Miss Latavia Taylor. And these two people want to come and they want to answer some of my questions. And they may be even tap on things that you might have thought about. Um, because we need to bring our minds together more and more to build up the kingdom of God at large. And if you like the topic on tonight and you have other ideas for other topics, check me out at www.elainejanelle.com and click on contact, put in the topic, um, whatever topic you want to talk about. It could be friendship, love, sex, peace, joy, whatever. Put it in your topic and then tell me what your ideas are about. And we'll see if we can hit on it in 2016. You feel me? Also, if you like the brands you've been hearing so far, uh, we talked about Dr. John Graves, as we like to call him, and Music Makes Me Happy. And if you have a brand that you think should be featured that is positive, that is doing great things in the community, and it's a brand that is also a godly brand, hit me up. Go back to my website, ElaineJanelle.com, click on contact, and then the topic, put brands. And then tell me about it. I'll get the emails, and I will hit you back, let you know, and we'll try to figure this out for 2016 and for the years to come with Renewed Talk. All right. Before we get to our discussion, you know I like to play a little bit of music. So True Praise is coming with us, uh, at us, from Brooklyn, New York, with one of their songs called Great Creator. If you like what you hear, buy their album. All right, y'all. It's Elaine Janelle at Renewed Talk. Stay right here and learn more about 20-something in 2015. As long as I live.
and welcome back to Renewed Talk. And as I have already told you guys, I will have some awesome people on tonight. We have the wonderful Roosevelt Smith hailing out of Queens, New York. And my good friend, Mr. Latavia Teller, hailing out of Richmond, Virginia. So I just wanted to dove into the topic a little bit tonight. But before we do, I just would like to have my good friends introduce themselves, as I always do, because I want you, the world, anybody who's listening, to know who these people are that I'm interviewing, because I always choose thoroughly and I think through who I want to be a part of a new talk and a part of our uh, monthly discussions. So I'm going to ask if, starting with Natavia Taylor, she could just introduce herself, maybe tell us what you do. Uh, generally on a daily basis, if you would like. <laughs> okay, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Latavia Taylor, and I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Currently, I am a legal assistant at a small law firm in the city, and I'm also the executive administrator of Fountain of Deliverance Outreach Ministries, where my pastor is Bishop Lawrence L. Taylor. And Roosevelt, you can introduce yourself as well. Any- good day, everyone. My name is Roosevelt Smith. Uh, professionally, I am a counselor at Fordham College at Lincoln Center for the Higher Education Opportunity Program. Uh, and I am also a minister at Crown Ministries International, where my pastor is Pastor Jonathan Shaw Sr. and Pastor Sabrina Shaw. Um, and I'm happy to be here tonight. Awesome. So as you all know, our discussion topic tonight, I should say, is 20-something in 2015. And I've already laid the ground foundation of what this topic means. And basically, where is the placement of those between the ages of 18, 17, to those who are 29 years old? Where is is their placement in the kingdom? Not only where is their placement in the kingdom, but more so, what authority do they have to dictate the next level or the next place or the next direction of where the church at large is going? And I know this topic is can be kind of broad to discuss, but I feel like it needs to be discussed because many times uh, people who are of younger caliber in the church or younger age, per se, in the church world at large, are tend to just be seen as um, just there or just another praise and worship leader or just another singer or just another person at the church making the church go forward. And a lot of times they're not seen as the leaders of the church. Where in today's time, the truth is a lot of people between the ages of 22, 30 are becoming the leaders of the church. If they're not already a leader in their church, they are becoming a leader at their church. And it's not about just the church. Don't get me confused. But it's also about the kingdom of God at large. And so I'm going to dove into it a little bit tonight. Um, I'm going to ask you all a few questions and then we're going to freelance, of course, as I always do. Uh, I want to ask you, do you think we are capable of drawing more young people to God since we ourselves have been greatly affected by God at a young age? Um, this is a very simple question, but I just wanted to hear your take on, do you think we have a greater effect of drawing more young people? Uh, not just because we're young, but more so because of our beliefs. Do tell. All right, so are we able to answer the question now? Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. 
Oh, wonderful. Um, so, um, in my opinion, I, I think when it comes to drawing people to God, I think there's a two-prong um, gifting or skill set. Some people are very natural at sharing the gospel. Um, those individuals who we call evangelists um, or individuals who have an evangelistic anointing or gifting. Um, and then there are others who may not necessarily be um, gifted in that way to, to share the gospel in a natural way. However, I feel that we all should be equipped in some way to live our lives so that it's inviting for others to um, to inquire about Christ and inquire about what we stand for and, and why we live the way we live. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure that all believers are equipped <laughs> in that manner. Um in terms of in terms of sharing the gospel, I feel like we all should be equipped in that manner. But I think some people could be more natural at it, um, just because of the God given gifts that they've been endowed with. That must and, be cool. Go ahead. And, and, and then growing up in church, um, sometimes I think there's some people who realize those good things very early, um, and then there are others who I think um, get bogged down with a lot of religious jargon, and so that can be a hindrance in sharing the gospel. Um, because unbelievers, they don't, they don't understand you know, what some of the words we use or terms mm -hmm. we use, what they mean. Um, so that can as well. So it can go out. It can go either way. All right, I agree. Latavia, do you have anything you can add to that, or as I call you, Tavi? <laughs> has been the, the drawing effect when it comes to other young people coming into the ministry. Um, I've been in church my entire life, so my perspective on things has always been a little different, but as I've grown and experienced different things, I'm able to be more compassionate with other young people, with people in general, honestly. But being honest and being transparent, to me, is like the key to drawing other young people. And I really, really, truly believe it's still possible. That's good. I believe it's still possible as well. I also wanted to ask, do you believe that uh, our generation, uh, and I'm going to say, I'm saying our generation, even though I'm just a little bit older, but generally I'm still in your generation, have a chance or ability to cause like kind of a shift in the kingdom or the way we do things? Now, this is a very loose question because some people may say that it has already been done. Um, but I guess I'm relating this question more so to the fact that, uh, we have some people who are very religious and then we have some people that are very relationship minded. And it's kind of like, do you think we have the ability to shift the, the church at large to understanding the balance between the two? That's a good question. I believe that some before us keep tapping on it, like, you know, tapping it and kind of missing it. Um, I, I don't really think it's something that can be mimicked at all or duplicated in any type of way. The move of God and how things transpire with our parents, with our parents' parents, that that was then. I feel like the, the age and the understanding is so much different now. Um, where I believe we can we can still affect change, but what what was then will always be then. And that's just my personal opinion. So 
everybody else has a different perspective on that. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry if I can make that one out a little bit. I'm assuming the question was uh, regarding the move of God uh, in, in days past. Yeah. And and how can we have- I was more so, t- I'm, and Latavia hit right on it, because um, our past generations, the generations before us, they're they're not going to change their way of thinking, but so much. Let's be realistic. They some people will be more open to others based upon their culture background or maybe the way they grew up or how they grew up. But you can't admit, you know, you can't make a drastic change. But the question I'm I'm also hitting at is also, do you think our generation has the the strength? or the authority to help transition the church to, to, to help our generation understand that it is about relationship, but we can't leave the, I guess, the tradition aspect behind. And I used the word balance. That was the main thing I used in the question because um, right now so many people have gotten carried away with it's just about having a relationship, which at the end of the day it is. But I think the... the, the let me just say this. People have used that word because they just want to do whatever they want to do. They don't want to, have to be accountable with anybody. Um, so as it relates to tradition um, and, 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 and moves of God that have passed, I do believe that um, we, we still need to maintain certain traditions of the church. Um, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, and I feel that the, the, the message of religion versus relationship or vice versa um, is, is also talking, it's, it's a larger conversation about legalism um, and, and a lot of the rules and regulations that people have been told that they must do in order to be saved and you've got to do this and you've got to go down in his name this way and you've got to speak in tongues before you're saved. Um, lots of, of, of doctrine and dogma and I think that's 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 where the idea behind religion versus relationship comes from. So, um, on the flip side, I do believe that we're dealing with a generation that, um, as you said, a lot of them lack accountability as well. Um, I should say a lot of us, because I'm a part of that generation as well. We lack accountability, um, and sometimes we don't want to give an answer for some of the things that we've done or are doing. Um, and so we, 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 we label it as relationship, you know. Um, oh, this is my relationship with God. So then we get term of like, um, terms like, you know, only God can judge me and, and things like that, right? I think it's, it's focalizing a, an ideal um, and a belief system that it's, it's relationship as opposed to religion. And I think um, with the older church, there was more accountability, you know, um, you know, just <clears throat> with discipleship different things that um, were in place at the end that are um, that people have called legalistic um, but it helped to maintain community and it helped to keep people um, you know in a place of conviction if you will um, I, I, I think I think you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater you know there were lots of things that they've done that we can still do. It may look a little different. It may not be the same way because mm-hmm. we're dealing with a different generation. Um, but we need to keep those same principles um, if we're going to maintain a, a, a generation that's going to like really re- uh, reference God in the way that in the way that He needs to be referenced. Mm-hmm. 
I like your answer. I appreciate both of you all. Uh, in my research, I came across this information <laughs> that really it stood out to me. And I actually mentioned it to my church um, in Bible study not too long ago. Um, I, when I did research and reading about young people who have left God or, or left the church, uh, like, you know, their age, I'm out the house, so I'm out this house too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not about their life anymore. <laughs> so they leave. And one of the reasons they said that um, some people, young people left, is because they felt like the church was irrelevant to the times that they were living in. And I thought that question stood out to me. I mean, that uh, response of why they left the church or left God or the idea of God alone, because I think sometimes it's funny because you have some churches in the, and I'm just going to speak in the United States, United States. You have some churches in the United States that acknowledge every little like news aspect that is going on, every little current event, which shall we say that's going on. And then you have other people whose churches act like nothing is going on outside. You know what I mean? Like they're only about what's going on inside of their church. And I wonder if they're irrelevant. Like, I want to hear y'all take on that irrelevant part. Like, have you ever had experience, even yourself, where you felt like your church was so, like, not connected to your world that you was living right outside the door? Um, I can't say that I've ever had that experience. I've been in the same ministry for the past 27 years, and I'm twofold. My mindset on different things is different. I'm close to my leaders because they are my parents. So what I knew to be news or what I experienced, I've always shared it with them. So having someone or someone's available to my ear and me available to them never really left. Of course, trials and all those things happen, but it never left me in a place where I said, you know what? Church is not relevant to what I'm going through. Church was all I knew. So, of course, there were times where they were, I was, I would say, there are people who I don't want to deal with, but the church didn't do anything to me to a place where I didn't want to deal with God, because he wasn't the issue. Um, we've always made the issues around us available to our leaders so that they can be relevant with their message. We're not so caught up on everything that's in the news, but he, he makes his message relevant to the people and meet them where they are so that he can help bring them up. So I, I can't, I, I've seen a lot of my friends come and go. Um, honestly, I've never really asked them why are they in church. I just kind of embrace them and hope that they'll find whatever it is that they're looking for. Maybe I should ask them. It would be good to know now that that's a thought that's in my head. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like the church always suffers a blow when people say that for a statement for like that to even be said, well, the church isn't relevant to what I'm going through. The church is not there for, for that. The church is a safe place for you to go to and drop whatever it is that you're dealing with there and if you can't drop it there then it maybe then there's something that needs to be addressed within that ministry every house is different right that's true and i will say uh, uh 
I I will say because I know Fountain, I think that's why your father connects well with young people because he always tries to relate as much as he can to them um, so that he can bring them up. Go ahead, Ro, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to re- respond. Um, I, I do agree with Tavia in the sense that um, I don't believe it's the church's job to be relevant to every person uh, and to accommodate everyone. Because when you get into that conversation about accommodating, then every time someone has an issue, you know, you know, you're going to have a single mother's ministry. Then you're going to have a, a, a baby daddy's ministry. You know, you're going to have a ministry for every little thing mm-hmm. that somebody's doing. I really, I really believe that we need to start talking um, about the Jesus that's the mediator for all of us and, 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 and talking about how he was tempted at all points, you know? Right. And um, I, I think, I think part of the reason why it's pe- some people may make the statement that church is not relevant to me is because a lot of churches, for instance, the church I grew up in was a very, very, very conservative church. And every message, every message, every last one was about, um, if you ain't saved, you're going to hell. So, you know, at some point you've got to, you've got to, at some point you've got to, you do have to be, Come with the times, be relevant with the times, especially when you talk about young people, because they're turning on MTV and VH1, and all you talk, you still talking, you still calling the clubs a disco. Right. You know, <laughs> Hip hop music is called rock and roll. <laughs> right, rock and roll. You know, you you still calling drugs dope. You know, there, there's there's a disconnect um, in the language and and the rhetoric, and so to some extent, yes, you you have to be relevant, but that doesn't mean you have to take on everybody's issue and burden and, and preach over it in the pulpit. That's number one. So I do agree with that, Tavia. But on the flip side, I feel that there's the mandate for the church to address um, larger issues that are going on within within the United States, nationally and internationally. And I feel that the relevance, in terms of relevance, when we talk about um, um what role the church has in today's world? Um, I think we really need to we really need to think about the message that we are preaching, and we need to think about current events and how that affects um, the message that we preach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I feel that there's a, a mandate for us to be more educated on some respects, but besides that, spiritual about, um, for instance, what does all of the attacks with ISIS mean? There who are scholars of the word, people like Perry Stone, um, you know, who will look at and say, um, this, this correlates with specific Bible prophecy. Now, I don't, I don't think we should look at everything that happens in the news and, and correlate it one another. Mm-hmm. you what we call newspaper prophet that God has called us to do that. <laughs> However, um, there is, as I said before, a mandate for us to be a bit more spiritual and a bit more relevant about what's going on and to date from this individualistic gospel and more towards um, a gospel that how Christ has come to save the world, right? And how all of these things that are happening around us 
um, are relevant to the time that we live in um, and really, really, really delve into that and talk about that and bring people's minds off of themselves. That's good. Here's here's a general question. This is real easy. What would you say if you had, you know, okay, <clears throat> all of us kind of have leaders we can talk to. But if you had to deal with a stubborn leader, old or young, for that matter, mm. who um is so set in their ways they can't see a bridge of connection, what would you say? I should say in 10 words or less, but that's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when it comes to stubborn leaders, honestly, I, I, you know, I, I would tell if if a friend of mine is really trying to get through a stubborn leader, I tell them to leave. Some places are not going to be conducive for growth, and when you hit a leader that's stubborn and they're stuck in their ways, and you trying to move forward, you can't go higher than your leader. You, you, you know, that's you, true. you cannot go higher than the person that is leading you. Right. So at the end of the day, if you have vision that surpasses your leader, then guess who's the leader? Mm-hmm. You have now become a leader. And so maybe the Lord is shifting you. Maybe God is moving you. But as it relates to talking to stubborn leaders, a lot of times um, I think it's futile to even... Yeah. To, to try now on the flip side I've seen I've seen my my own pastor talking about certain issues uh, the Bible says that the, the heart of the king is in the, is in the Lord's hand yeah, so right. there have been times when he didn't disagree or he disagreed or I disagreed and I knew that I wasn't going to get a point across but I really felt that this maybe I was right or I was spirit led with whatever suggestion that was and I prayed and next thing I knew at the meeting we had, he brings it up and said, we're going to do this. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know. Right. If you fall to that house, then you pray and you intercede and maybe the Lord will turn the heart of that leader. Right. I, I don't understand. Like, to me, the word stubborn leader is kind of like, oh, kind of make you cringe a little bit. Um, because if, if there's something that there is a pull on you that your house can't handle, then I understand um, leaving or searching a place where you can kind of pull on God where, where you need it the most. So That's I understand right. that. But <clears throat> referring to a leader as being stubborn, that what it is that you're hungry for may not be his lane. Okay. Um, so again, you may have leeway to leave or to kind of, tap into something that to get you where it is that you're trying to go. So I understand that. So I, I really I don't really bother with those kind of terms because <laughs> I you know, that's just it, it may be a conflict of interest if I say anything other than that. So yeah, if if there's something that you need that's so much um greater than what your house can handle, then I would suggest maybe you should find somewhere else to go. But I I can't necessarily handle a word as stubborn leader. I've never had any other pastor. I, I don't. Someone asked me um, if I was in a different church, would I still be? I think you and I had this conversation. Would I still be um, 
as faithful to the ministry or would I still be as active in the mm-hmm. ministry? And I, I don't know if, if I, if someone else was my pastor and it wasn't my father, I don't know if my passion or my drive or my mm-hmm. purpose or my connection would still be the same. So that's probably me still saying no comment. <laughs> well, no comment. Let, let me tell you, and I'll just say this to leave it where it is. God, God has God has given you a gift, Tavia. And you know what that gift is? It's called preservation. Some people don't have that. Some people were exposed to, to horrible things. I have friends right now who will not step foot in another church. I have friends right now who are in churches but lack so much reverence and are anointed and are gifted and a whole bunch of things. But their 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 perception of the church is warped, mm-hmm. you know. So you know you you happen to be blessed in that you have a leader. You can't even fathom what a stubborn leader is. What does that even mean? If I told you examples, which I won't, because I know that this will be here. If I gave you examples, <laughs> you, you know, so your mouth would be like, "You gotta be kidding me." No, I I, I don't on, I don't think that it doesn't exist. So, it's you know, just I, I, I I say that I say, I think you're blessed. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I agree. I, I, it's just something that I, I, I don't, I don't, I've seen it and I've witnessed it, but it's not something that I allow in my presence. I, I have positioned myself in my adult age, whereas my parents protected us from certain situations. They still made us knowledgeable on it, but they expressed to us, maybe you shouldn't do this, maybe you shouldn't do that. So now, as an adult, I have enough strength within me to say, you know what? This is probably not good for me. So let me be still. I've had plenty of opportunities to, to be in different places and do different things. But I know what works for me. And I was telling a group of one of the guys that are always with my dad. I work well with what is put in front of me. And my plate is full just fine. I don't need to eat everywhere with everybody. Because I can't handle it. My spirit cannot handle that. So I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And I, I respect that. I love it. I use the word stubborn leader because I, I, I like to play devil's advocate. And, you know, people don't like to. People, how dare you condemn or call that pastor stubborn or mean or harsh. But there are some stubborn leaders. There are some harsh leaders. There are some mean leaders. And um, to those who may not be church who are listening or those who may, you know, be taking interest just because they saw something a little different. Um, just know that. If you're dealing with a stubborn leader, even if it's not in the church, if it says work or any place else, the best thing to do, if you have a relationship with God, is to pray. <laughs> and then, if you don't have a relationship with God, get one. But other than that, is to go listen to music and calm yourself down before you know how to talk with that person. Music really helps. Um, I, that's my answer to a lot of things. Um <laughs> <laughs> and no, not hip hop, not turn up music, but music that soothes you really helps to deal with um, leaders. And I do agree with Rose about, and this is something I said, um, I learned some time ago uh, when I was in seminary school for a short period of time, praise the Lord, uh, that our teachers was very straightforward with us. Our professors simply said, they said, it is easier to leave a place than change the one you're in. So if That's you're. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, these are very educated people. These are not like fly by night, some random preachers that show up and said, I can teach. No, 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 no. These are people that have degrees. 
upon degrees and doctors and all that stuff. And they travel the world doing missions and teaching and preaching. And they would just be really honest with us and just saying, like, it's a challenge. If you're staying for the change, if you're at any type of church, even if even if you're in a work situation and there's a drastic change happening, you either have to prepare yourself to go to try go with the change, prepare yourself to deal with the challenge of it not changing and it needs to change, or well, I, you well, leave. I think I, and I, you, you bring up a good point. I, I think I think you know if you're dealing with let's say okay the change is something like when you're talking about stubborn leaders, okay, when you're talking about change, um, change within ministry. If you're talking about, um, okay, we want to switch our Christmas program from the first week of December to the third week of December, okay, that's, that, now, that, that's just, that, you could just have a simple conversation about that. That's true. But, if you're talking about, and, and you know what, if they just really just disagree, okay, whatever, Christmas program is first week of December, won't be third week of December. But if you're talking about something like, let's say this was something that was a big deal when I was coming up in the church I was at, um, the women for a communion would wear their heads covered all the way, um, similar to what they call the prayer veils or mantles, right? And so um, some of the people who are listening now may, may be familiar with um, chapelets or prayer caps. Well, just think of a whole lace over the whole head, and that was for communion. And so they were told, the women were told that they didn't have to wear it anymore. And there was this massive uproar when you had people who wanted to wear them and people who didn't want to wear them. And, and, and then you had people who were, who were advocating for the change, especially the young people. You gotta, the young people were like, oh, yes, absolutely. No more of this bondage. Okay. So they were advocating for, <laughs> for that change. And so why I bring that up is because when certain changes are cultural, that type of change was a cultural change. It's a culture of holiness, right? This idea of holiness is not just, <clears throat> excuse me, a church or a denomination. There's an actual culture behind it. There's certain things you do, certain things you wear when you're in um, holiness denomination, right? So since because since our church was a holiness church, they abided by certain rules and certain principles. And to change the culture is a totally different conversation. That's going to take time. That's mm-hmm. going to take a lot of maneuvering. And some leaders will be extremely reluctant to that change because a lot of them may see may see that change as changing their core, which they may attribute to be godly, and anything other than that may be sinful. So there's a lot of attributes that are are um, that that will be thrown around when you start changing certain things in the culture and fabric of the ministry or the mm-hmm. church or even that leader and how you do things because of what it's connected to. So when it comes to staying or leaving, my question is, what do you want to change? That's what good. is it that you're looking for? And I think you brought that up, Tavia, too. What are people looking for? I was talking to a pastor, another very new pastor, just the other day, and she <laughs> said for the first two years of her church, she's had so many people coming to her church and she had to ask the question, what are people looking for, you know? And so when it comes to staying leaving the church, my question to the person would be, what are you looking for? What kind of change are you looking for? And if you can affect structural change here, then stay. But if, okay. if you really want something different and you cannot affect that structural change or that institutional change, then maybe you should leave because you're going to do more damage being 
frustrated here, and then you're going to cause division and discord, and you're going to be rebellious and all that stuff. Just leave. Yeah, I agree with that. You have a very enlightening output. Input. I agree. Oh, the Lord bless you. Thank you. I'm not going to touch those prayer cloths, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> My dad found one um, yesterday. Asked me why haven't I had it on. So I'm not going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I chill with my mother every once in a while. I tell her she needs to put hers back on. But that's neither here. <laughs> neither here or there. We wear them. We have them. But it's, it's you know, no comment. No, oh, it, it's fine. It's the same as our church. <laughs> but again, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a structural change. Mm-hmm. And that, that's I, a structural change. I was telling, um, well, I can, of course, speak on, I'll speak on my church, but I was telling my mother not to go, and I sent her into a frenzy. But I was just like, honestly, related to the, in relation to the topic, I was just like, okay, let's give it 20, 30 years. A lot of what the young people are doing, if y'all aren't saying anything about it, you're not saying anything different about it, that will be the church. Whether good or whether bad. Yeah. That will let's be see, the church. So. The funny no, that, that's all I, I, I mean, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying in particular of a teaching aspect or saying that you're going to hell from wearing pants or all, not that concept, but more of just the concept of when you let you when you realize that this is what your church is becoming and y'all have y'all must be fine with it because you're letting it become that. Then you must be fine with knowing that your church is going to change, even if you're dead and going, praise the Lord. Your church is going to change. I hope that didn't sound weird because I said praise the Lord right afterwards. But <laughs> what I was trying to say was basically like when I say praise the Lord right after, I'm basically saying like no matter what train, no matter what happens in the future, no matter how the transitions are are going about, uh, you must be fine with what's being presented before you. Because if you're not, you have the ability to help cultivate it. I'm not saying do harm to the young people in front of you. When I say young people, I'm talking about even young adults, even people in their 30s, you have the ability to help, you know, cultivate them to being better leaders and everything like that. But if you're not saying anything and they're doing what they're doing now, that is what your church is going to be 10, 20, 30 years from now. As a whole, uh, I, not just a portion. I mean, I think, Elaine, I think that, and this is a very interesting point that you make because while, the, while some churches will be debating or just accepting that women don't necessarily have to cover their head in 20, 30 years or whatever the case may be. Maybe they wear pants now, whatever it is, right? right. We will have as a, as, as technologically um, in media and communication, we will have advanced far beyond this. And our, and our conversations will surpass, <laughs> totally surpass, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Totally surpass something as, minute right. as a head um, and, and I think it's so important when you talk about connecting this back to our previous point about relevance um, I think it's so important that we bring our, our topics of conversation up to present day where our rhetoric matches our generation right. if, you, if you still stuck on that if we gotta wait 20 years for that I'm sorry, you lost two generations. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're the down the street. Because we talk, because we wait for the handcuffs to come on. That's true. Yes. 
I agree. I have two. I have three. I have two nieces, and I have a cousin, and they're all girls. They are so passionate about God in general, about coming to church in general, to throw in the the prayer cloth and the skirt and all those things without understanding. They're gonna miss it. That's right. Mm-hmm. They're gonna miss it. And I mean, one, and you know the girls, Jada will cry if she cannot wear a skirt. Long as she stay that way, I don't have to worry about anything else. Rachel has a fit if she can't sing with the praise team. Clearly, she's not old enough. But <laughs> as long as we keep them passionate about Christ in general, all those other things will fall into place. And if it's not still an active part of that generation, then it should works. not. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in all truth, the, the persons who are still pushing that are not going to be here in 20 to 30 years. That's right. I mean, that, that it, it's, it's the reality that we're living in. Even though we were always the leaders of tomorrow, we are the leaders. Right, we're yeah. the ones taking the initiative. And I believe, and I've said this to, to other friends of mine who are in ministries, we have the power to affect change, whether it be good or bad. Mm-hmm. The power is in our hands now. <clears throat> whether we're teaching prayer clause, we're teaching holiness, or something, by the way, we have that power now. And we can either uphold the standards and evolve like with what our leaders have given to us, or we're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. I just want my nieces or my children, wherever they may be in the future, to have that same passion and that same drive that I had. Because I could have, you said, you know what? I'm 21. I'm gone. I don't have to do this. But I chose to stay and to continue to be a part of my parents' ministry. Because I believed in it. Not over prayer clause. I believed in right. I believed in what he was doing and what he is doing. So I stayed. That's just, you know, and I want my nieces to see what auntie did or how she is just because I believe in God, period. Like, mm-hmm. period. It's, it's nothing, no if ands, or buts about it. Right. The guys who are listening, uh, just know the prayer calls were just an example. We're not advocating. We're not advocating. <laughs> like, we don't care, to be honest. We don't care. But I just it was just an example of being being used in our discussion on this evening over new talk. And um I love the fact that uh Tavy, you really answered the question. Cause I asked my main top the main reason for having this topic was I said, do, where is our authority? Like what authority do we have? Because, you know, that whole concept of being the church of the future is really out the window because there are people our age that is helping run churches, better yet, start churches. So, <laughs> that, yeah, that whole church of the future, if we if we all died now, or if we took rest and said, you know what, we'll come back and see church in about 10 years from now, we would see things, we would see some churches fall apart. <laughs> I'm not talking about our personal churches, I'm talking about general. If we just decided, oh, I'm not about that kingdom life anymore, I'll just, you know, I'll see y'all 10 years we would see aspect of churches, not just our church, but churches in general, will fall apart because they'll just be like, what What happened? What, what, what? It, because, I hate to say it, but it's, it's um, I shouldn't say I hate to say it, but it's real. Like, we are the Bibles that some people will never pick up and read. Who Saved and unsaved. Hate to say it like that, but saved and unsaved. We are the That's visual. True. Some people look at us and they'd be like, well, like, shh. If the rapture happened, they still there. And I hate to be like that because the truth of the matter is you should not be basing your salvation based upon me. But it's true. 
It's true. But that's until some become come into an understanding, we are the only light that right. that's bright enough. I, I laugh at some of the little little small children at church because my dad would be up giving greetings, giving remarks, speaking, and the little children would just run up to him at the altar and go back and tell their parents, I had to go see God. And they just believe that my right. dad is God. But that's the way that they need, and it's good for them right now. Mm-hmm. And once they come into an understanding, they'll read about the God that they serve. And it's not actually him, but, you know, they'll get an understanding of it. And some for some, that's just the way some people see better than they can hear, or vice versa. That's true. So, I have another question, and I'm going to start bringing our topic closer to more to a close my uh, one of my last questions is are mm, i can't tell one of my last questions are what do you believe the church itself is centered on that can change now i'm talking about the church at large um y'all can throw anything out there or you can say this question is irrelevant to this topic the question was what is the church itself centered on that you think can change now this is loose because there's church different types of churches everywhere so mm. I don't know <laughs> well I think I think the question is not necessarily what is the church centered on or I think the question is what is the church not centered on um the church itself is an organization and with any organization it had any organization has a mission uh the church itself is an institution with any institution there is a a mission and a vision and um ultimately the church was originally established to bring the gospel to the lost to right. save the lost mm-hmm. jesus came to seek and save that which was lost um and i, I find that there are many churches uh, right now who are more committed to industry than ministry. That's good. Um, in the sense that it's more of a commercial um, endeavor than it is a, an endeavor to evangelize and, and save unbelievers. Um, I. I think we need to be more centered on evangelism at the core of the church and, and, and its growth. If I look at the book of Acts, if I look, you know, all throughout the scriptures, evangelism was the way in which the church, um, began growing began to develop. And with that evangelism was of course, um, it was coupled with the power of the Holy spirit evangelism took off at a new level mm-hmm. once the believers were equipped with the Holy Spirit. So um, having those two driving forces behind the church, I really feel that we can make change, we can make an impact. And I find that many of the churches, um, many of the younger churches that are growing up, that are coming up now, they understand uh, what evangelism and outreach it can do. And they're growing because of it. And I know some, some, some good, 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 good friends of mine who have left their more conservative churches and started to engage uh, more in evangelism in a model that 
promotes outreach, that promotes sharing the gospel, um, and that, and doing it in a novel way. And that's another thing that I want to bring up. I feel that the church has been resistant to change and resistant to creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and unfortunately, that has been, as it relates to this generation, that has been um, the disconnect. Because we don't encourage our children to be who they are. Be mm-hmm. who you be. Use the gifts that God has given you. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. That's what the right. scripture says. So whether it's filmmaking, whether it is um, dance, whether it is singing, whether it is uh, art, you know, whatever it is, you can use it to, to advance the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom agenda. And so I, I think in, in, in conjunction with evangelism and in conjunction with the flow of the spirit, which is huge, that's really, really big. I can't stress that enough. Um, there is going to be a flow of creativity that comes out of every person. Right. You have a specific gift set. You have a skill set that can be used for the kingdom. And if you use that, then we would see so many, so many uh, young people come to Christ because they realize I can be me. I can use my gifts, right. and and she's, she's she's who she is, and she's doing all she does, and she loves the Lord. You know, whether it be in fashion, whether it be in law, whatever industry it is, God has called us to 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 really invade all of these industries and do ministry, mm-hmm. right, and not let the church um, become another industry, but let it maintain its integrity um, and, 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 and be ministry-oriented. So, that's my little spiel about that. I agree. Of course I do. I say that so much. I know people probably like, well, why wouldn't you agree? You wrote, we wrote these questions, girl. Um, I wanted to say two things in relation to what you said, Roosevelt. One thing my mom made relevant to me, um, uh, about five years ago, my church started focusing more on generations in the church and understanding the difference between our generations and what happened, what were the times like, how we grew up. And something my mom brought up some years back was she said the way that children learned was different during her time than even my time and now their time today. She explained the fact that um, a lot of times growing up, in her day, like, kids sit at separate desk, desk. They sit at a desk by themselves, not usually connected to other children's desk as little children. I know we do that in college and things. But as little children, they sit at separate desk, not connected to other people. And she explained to me, she said, when you got to school, they kept grouping children together. Because they wanted us to learn from each other. And not just from the teacher. And I think that there's something very small, but I think that... The way that they, you know, time changes, technology changes, uh, even the way we do education changes. And I think the idea of how children learn changed how we dealt with creativity. So if I say a child who's five years old in a space by themselves daily, they're only going to work off of the extent of their minds. Even if they're creative as their own person, they're only going to work off the extent of their minds. But if I said that five-year-old or that eight-year-old with a group of other eight-year-olds, say it's a group of four sitting together consistently, they're going to begin to work their creativity off of each other. So it builds them faster instead of just sending them by themselves. So I think like... Go ahead. You have to... You have such a good point, and, and one of the things 
in conjunction with evangelism and being uh, spirit-led and having the flow of the spirit, um, and in conjunction with creativity, I think another thing that we need to add to that is collaboration. You have so many churches that are an island to themselves, mm-hmm. right? You have so many ministries that are just, they're all doing the same thing, but they're they're separate. Right. And I find that if you bring, as you said, bring, everybody sit at the same table. table. Let's talk about best practices. Let's come up with different ideas. I really feel like novelty, uh, this is another word for creativity, is where the church needs to really focus and really brainstorm right now because when you get uh, people in a room, the gospel, the message is never going to change, right? right? But how we package it can. You understand? Right. Uh, and when you're dealing with a generation where you get a new act out every other day, okay, you've got to be novel. You've got to be novel. you got to be creative. So how can I put an app out that will give me scriptures, all right? How can I put an app out that will make those scriptures relevant to my everyday life? Right. How can I put an app out that, you know, maybe a children's app, okay, from ages four to, to, to eight? A uh, little Bible trivia, something, right. something, something. You got to be creative. You got to be novel. You know, um, and 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 if we would collaborate, as if you use that same analogy, everyone sit at the same table. Let's have moments like this tonight where we can talk and really, you know, brainstorm, have a think tank. Right. And we can say, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's go in this direction. Let's go in that direction. Then we can really come up with some creative ways to um, learn from each other, to share the gospel, and ultimately grow and develop as Christians. And I really feel like, you know, so so many of us, we want more from God. We want so much more. But the more is in going back to the basics. Like, Mm -hmm. let's come back to the drawing board and do our first works over again, and then maybe we'll get a little bit more from God because we haven't done what he said to do first, which was uh, go out to the highway hedges and come down and come. The Great Commission itself is lacking. And what's funny is when I wrote this question, Roosevelt, I wrote it thinking about the fact that the church has become, like you said, an industry. There's, it's been become media driven, and it's and it's fine to an extent. It's a necessity in this in this space, but it's not the church. And the church is like allowing it to be the church. <laughs> it's like yeah. oh, that's not that's not what you know. As my dad said uh, some time ago, he said to me, he was like, the church was born as a movement. It's supposed to be a movement. It's not just supposed to be (laughs) what we do every Sunday. That will be. (laughs) That's the aha moment. If I can tell me the question again so I can make sure I'm putting it in the right context. (laughs) It's okay. The question is, what do you believe the church itself is centered on that can change? And Roosevelt flipped it and said, what is it not centered on? Go ahead. That's where I want to say, I believe that the church is not centered on being selfless, whereas those who can impart into our generation are holding on tight to what helped them survive, that we we need it. We need to know how you stayed in it for 50 years unmarried or 50 years in a marriage or whatever the situation was that kept you rooted and grounded in God. I feel like that selflessness where I need to impart into my generation. It's a it's a rare thing these days outside of some leadership or maybe one or two persons, but I have experienced it hands-on where I have been in a place where I needed mentorship and I couldn't pull on anybody for it. I feel like if, 
it's it's like a it's like a pull in a in the we're we're all pulling on each other. Mm-hmm. The young people are saying, "Well, nobody understands us. Nobody's listening to us. Nobody understands what our generation is about." At the same time, the older people who can impart into us are saying, "Well, this generation's so fast, they don't want to listen." It's like where where is the medium mm-hmm. for us to grab a hole and impart into each other? Because, like you said, this is a day where we're fast paced. I'm tech. I am a tech girl to the highest extent. I'm not going to sit there. I don't even read directions. As soon as I open the box, I know where I'm going. And I could be wrong and have to start all over again. But that's where the wisdom comes from. That's where the impartation comes from because I have the strength. But I need your knowledge and your strength to help me get to where I'm going so I can be just like you. And I, I really, really feel like, like you said, evangelism is something that the church doesn't have all the time and selflessness the just the it's it's a rare 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 thing if you find a place where it's just completely ministry centered i think that's a house that you should stay in mm-hmm. and I, in order to be effective in evangelism and mentorship you have to be selfless it and can- of course it's difficult there's so many sides to it because there are some situations where you just kind of like you know i'm just gonna look. I'm going to let you be for a moment because everybody you can't pour into. Mm-hmm. But if there is a space and an opportunity, I think one should take advantage of it. Right. I agree. So I'm going to actually wrap it up. We've been here about an hour. And um, <laughs> I want to tell you both thank you to my dear Latavia Teller and my brother Roosevelt Smith. I appreciate both of you all and um, thank you, thank If you don't, you I won't do that. Let me just say that these people are both in their twenties and they are advancing, they're moving, and they are effective in the kingdom. And so I hope that whoever is listening has enjoyed the discussion on this evening, and that you've learned and grown from it. And as I said earlier, if you want to hear more about this, or you want, or you have some questions that we didn't answer, and you want us to tap more into it, email me. My website is www.elangenelle.com, and you click on contact, and you'll find me. Email me, all right, and let me know what you would like to hear and what um, things that we could maybe expound more on. If not us, maybe others can expound more or coming through um, the outlet and the podcast of Renew Talk. All right, so before I close out, I do need someone to assist in prayer because every episode of a new talk ends with a good old prayer. It can't. It doesn't have to be long or drawn out. We're not trying to be here all night, but <laughs> we're just asking that you will close us out in prayer. So I'm going to ask if Latavia Taylor, which is a nice, sweet, <laughs> gentle prayer to the Lord. Pray, Latavia. Pray. I guess I didn't win that one. <laughs> <laughs> Father God, we come before you now just telling you thank you. God, we thank you for this opportunity to share with one another our insights, our thoughts, our feelings. And God, we just thank you for Janelle tonight for you placing this gift inside of her and giving her the will and the way and the understanding and the wisdom to reach this generation by any means necessary. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for family and friends. We even thank you for this season of Thanksgiving that's coming up. And we pray that you bless us and keep us safe and sound from all hurt, harm, or danger. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.